think it's important for us to always keep in mind that the Gospels were never meant to be a biography of Jesus' minister or that of his disciples. What we have is four writers writing four accounts to four different groups of readers over a period of a number of years. And so it might be confusing at times when we attempt to draw a meaningful timeline of various events by comparing their writings. Last Sunday, we listened as Jesus spoke to the people in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown. There was no mention of any disciples being with him at the time. This was still very early in his ministry. Luke then goes on to tell us that Jesus went on to Capernaum, where he taught there on the Sabbath. And it would seem that later that same day that Jesus went to the home of Simon Peter, where, oh, you remember, he healed the fever of Peter's mother-in-law. So somewhere along the way, the two men had become acquainted and were familiar enough that Jesus would have gone home with Peter after worshiping in the synagogue. Now, in John's Gospel, he implies that Peter and Andrew had been following John the Baptist before meeting Jesus for the first time. Both Matthew and Mark tell of a day when Jesus was walking along the seashore when he called Peter and his brother-in-law with James and John to come and follow him. Then not long after that, Philip and Nathaniel joined Jesus' group of followers. And a few weeks ago, we had the story, remember, of Jesus and some of his disciples attending a wedding in Cana. Now, in this morning's lesson, we have Jesus back on the banks of the Sea of Galilee again. People are beginning to gather around in order to hear him speak. And he, he got into Peter's boat in order to put out a little space between him and the crowd as he spoke to them. Luke tells us that when Jesus finished speaking to the crowd, that he told Peter to push his boat out in the deeper water and let his net down. Now, a few things about commercial fishing these days. Their boats would have been very large vessels, capable of hauling large quantities of fish that would have been brought into the boat with their huge nets. The best time to fish was at night. And so what we have here this morning is the fishing fleet has returned home after being out all night. After tending to their catch, the next task the fishermen would have been to clean their nets. And that's what Peter and his brother were doing when Jesus told Peter to row out into the deeper water because they hadn't caught any fish. But their nets still need to be cleaned. Now, here are some things that I believe we can take for granted or assume without endangering the truth. Peter and his brother were two men of faith. It would appear that they'd been listening to the preaching of, of John the Baptist and had been spending time with him, hearing him speak of one who was to come. John tells us that the two brothers were, were John, uh, John the Baptist, when they were with John the Baptist when they met Jesus for the first time. They asked Jesus where he lived, and apparently he told them, and they spent the afternoon together. And this would seem to have been the beginning of an ongoing relationship that would continue in the weeks that followed. It seems reasonable to assume that there had been other acquaintances prior to this time today. But it seemed that Jesus was comfortable asking to come aboard Peter's boat in order to speak to the people in this morning's lesson. Now, as Jesus was addressing the crowd, that together Peter and his brother were, were working cleaning their nets. They, they could hear Jesus speak, but they also had work to do. They were busy attempting to wrap things up after a long night's labor. You know the story. Jesus finished speaking to the crowd. He, he told Peter to push the boat back out of the deeper water and to toss the clean nets back into the water for a catch. 
Peter's response to Jesus was just what you might expect. Now, Peter called Jesus master, which I think would confer their prior relationship, but Peter was, was gaining a respect for this young rabbi, but at the same time, they'd been spending time together. But Peter said, Master, we've been out all night, and we hadn't caught a single fish. We're tired, and our nets are clean. I wonder if in the back of his mind, Peter would say, Lord, you're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? <laughs> but to Peter's credit, he might, have, he might have thought it, but he didn't say it. Rather, they did what Jesus had told them to do, and again, they rowed their boats out from shore. And I wonder if the other fishermen there were wondering, what in the world is Peter and his brother doing? I said, you know the story. No sooner had the, had the nets entered the water than they began to fill up. There were so many fish that the men couldn't pull the nets back into the boat by themselves. They had to, to call others to prevent their boats seeking, calling out to their friends to come help. Now, I believe what we see as we look at the, at the gospel story is that Jesus had it sometime, not too long before uh, his baptism by John the Baptist, met some of these men who knew John the Baptist, who were shortly after that would become Jesus' disciples. Remember, a disciple is a follower, a student, if you would. They'd begun to spend time with Jesus listening to his teachings. There was a time when Jesus had invited them to, to come and follow them, and they had. But I believe that all those men had followed Jesus at his first call, but they still were engaged in their family trade as fishermen. They were spending time with Jesus, but not in an unconditional manner. It wasn't until this morning's event that all this changed. I don't believe for a moment that this was this appearance of Jesus on the shore was just a coincidence. I believe Jesus planned to be there. I believe he knew this is where his new disciples would be. I believe he boarded Peter's boat with a purpose. Remember, God has a purpose for everything he does. I believe Jesus felt that it was time for these men to become permanently attached to his ministry and to begin to accompany him everywhere that he went. It was time for them to make a deep, deeper commitment. The events this morning would bring a, a life-changing decision on the part of Peter and his companions. I've never been much of a fisherman. I, I don't mind getting up early in the morning, and I don't have the patience to go sit and wait for the fish to bite. But I know fishermen who can and will sit for hours without catching a thing. They're dedicated fishermen, and, and if I ask them how they can sit there for hours hoping to catch a fish, even real fishermen will understand and appreciate their answer. They say, it's easy. I just sit there and wait. You know, it, it's interesting that Jesus didn't suggest that they go out in order that they might catch some fish. He commanded, he said, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus was making both a command and a promise. The command was put, put your nets in the water. The promise was there'll be a catch. And what a catch it was. As I mentioned, I wonder what was going through my Peter. Peter was not known for keeping his thoughts to himself, but for once he seemed content to do just that. It would have been easy to question Jesus. Peter and his family were professional fishermen, and they'd been out all that long with no success with their efforts. They were probably bone tired. Their nets were now clean. It was time to call it a day and go home. But Jesus was master. And Peter was attempting to be a good disciple, so he obeyed the master's wishes. 
even though he may well have thought it was all a waste of time. Well, every good fisherman has a story of either the one that got away, or better yet, the photo of him and the catch that didn't get away. But this morning's fish story has to top all of those. It was a catch of a lifetime, but it was Jesus' new disciples that had been hooked. Well, what happened almost immediately? Peter falls down before Jesus says, Go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. Now, why do you think Peter felt the need to acknowledge his own sinfulness and ask Jesus to go away? I think that, as I mentioned, Peter initially questioned Jesus in his mind. He doubted that Jesus knew anything about fishing. Maybe he felt that Jesus was wasting their time. Peter had been resistant to obeying Jesus' command, even though he acknowledged him as his master. Peter thought that when it came to fishing, he was the master. But he had to admit that Jesus was the Lord, even over the seas and the water. Peter saw Jesus' sovereignty and his own sinfulness. And Jesus' response, as he so often did, he said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for men. What were those things that Peter and the others might have been afraid of? Why did Jesus need to calm their fear? I believe Peter might have been fearful and anxious about leaving his life's occupation in order to follow Jesus. I suspect that Jesus and the other disciples had, had talked about what the future might hold, and I believe these men understood the implications of Jesus' invitation. Maybe not fully. We know Peter had a family. Now he was going to, how was he going to provide for their needs while he was out following Jesus wherever he went? Peter had financial obligations to consider and a family business to think about. Maybe it's Peter's wife was saying, how are we going to pay the bills? Kids need clothes, the roof needs repair. And you know we got to take care of my mother. Maybe Peter realized after having witnessed the great catch that Jesus was going to be able to provide. Maybe his fears vanished after what he'd seen on this day. Peter had just experienced the greatest catch ever, and now he could walk away on top of the game and quit while he was ahead. How need of Jesus to arrange for a career change in such a way. But what about that new career? I think Jesus attempted to make a smooth transition by likening their new career to their old. They were still going to be fishermen. The catch had just changed. On this day, Peter and apparently James and John as well began to form that inner circle that would become the closest to Jesus as they continued to follow him and to learn from his teachings. And for Peter, who had called Jesus master, he was now seen as being Lord. Peter may have seen himself as a sinner, but now he can see himself as a sinner in the presence of the living God. Now, what is this morning's lesson all about? This is not a teaching about those who would be most committed to Christ need to leave their secular world and become a disciple. All believers are called to be disciples. We all have been given those special gifts by God to be used in His service. And some of us have been called to full-time Christian service. But as I continue to say, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And we're meant to be disciples wherever we are, doing whatever it is that we do. So what might we conclude from this morning's lesson? What is the message for you and me this morning? Before we can truly be a faithful disciple, we need to acknowledge our own sin and weakness, our shortcomings, 
There's no need to follow Christ if you're doing well and good on your own efforts. Think about that statement. If you're doing well, if everything's just fine in your life because of what you're doing on your own, you don't need Christ in your life. How would that Probably not the case. Peter was a master fisherman, or at least he thought he was. He had a successful family business. He'd just spent an entire night, though, out experiencing complete and total failure. Maybe his skills weren't as masterful as he thought after all. Failure may well be the first step toward choosing to follow Christ. When we recognize that we aren't quite as good as we thought we were, maybe we're ready to put our trust the one whose powers are limitless. Peter acknowledged his sinfulness and then he acknowledged Jesus as being the sovereign, righteous, all-sufficient Son of God. To follow Christ is to be assured of our physical needs and our spiritual needs will be taken care of. To follow Christ is to be assured of divine guidance and direction. To follow Christ is to be assured of all that is recognized needed. When you and I recognize who it is that has called us to follow him, the faith to do that following becomes easy. And guys, that's true of you as an individual and as a congregation. Another thing to keep in mind is that God knows our weaknesses and our unbelief. Jesus didn't berate Peter for his fear and his doubt. No, he filled their nets to the tearing point. The boat threatened to sink. The evidence of his power was all sufficient. Jesus has given you and me some evidence of his power as well. It's found in the garden, in an empty tomb, that testifies to his holiness and power of Jesus. You know, our greatest problem as a church and as individuals, I believe, is that we lack faith at times because we fail to truly grasp the greatness of our God. Maybe we don't meditate on those things often enough and spend time in God's presence often enough. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. That's what he's calling those fishermen to do. And in our lesson this morning, he was calling them to share his passion. Remember what I said last week? That we need to let our passion for Christ overshadow our fear of speaking out boldly about our faith. Of the four Gospels, Luke is the Gentile writing to other Gentiles. While John is the evangelist who continued describes God's plan of salvation throughout his gospel, Luke was writing to those who were already Christians. His emphasis was on becoming more committed and a faithful follower of Jesus. Luke writes to tell his reader how to become a disciple. And that's what we see in our reading this morning. Jesus took those men who believed in him and who had been learning from him and called them to be his disciples. Another lesson for us this morning might just be that when Jesus tells us to do something, we need to do it, even if it doesn't make any sense. God told Noah to build an ark because a flood was coming. No one had ever heard of a flood before. So Noah built an ark. God called Abram to pack up his family and possessions and start walking. And Abram did. He didn't know where he's going, but God did. God told the people of Israel to march around the city of Jericho for seven days if they wanted the wall to fall down. And they did. And it did. Jesus told Peter to cast his nets into the water. He did. And you know the story. God wants to work through you. He wants to bless you. 
think it was Nancy Reagan who coined the phrase, just do it. I think God may have been the first to say that. When I tell you to do something, just do it. Peter and the others left their boat. They left their families. They put everything behind them in order to respond to Jesus' call to follow me. Jesus called those men to come and learn how to spread the good news. I mentioned last week that, that next week Carrie and, and the bishop are coming. I said Carrie. Carrie, what did I say last week? Carrie Moore. I forgot she got married. It's Carrie Pennington. She and the bishop will be here next Saturday to talk about evangelism. How we're meant to share our faith effectively. Carrie promised that when we leave the meeting next week that we'll have a plan of action. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if any of you will be here until we host another gathering for the rural churches. Several years ago, there was a British agnostic, uh, Thomas Huxley. He was leaving early in the morning to attend to a speaking engagement. He had arranged for a horse-drawn taxi to take him from his hotel to the train station. And as he got into the taxi, he assumed that the doorman had told the driver where to go. So when Huxley got in the carriage, he merely said, drive fast. And off they went. It wasn't long before Huxley realized that they were going the opposite direction from the train station. He yelled up to the driver and he says, do you know where you're going? Without looking back, the driver said, no, sir, but I'm driving very fast. <laughs> now, what does that story have to do with that message? I'm not sure. I just, I read it and I thought it was going to work. <laughs> no, there, there really is a point out there. Jesus calls us to follow him, to learn from him, to spend time with him, to work at his pace and on his time frame. But you and I are busy people. Our lives are so filled with things to do and places to go, and I suspect that we oftentimes leave God behind. We strike out at our own pace because we, we think we know where we're going. But it doesn't do much good to go very fast if you're going in the wrong direction. Our task in the weeks and months to come is to commit to being a follower of Christ and focusing on his headship and on his leadership. Jesus knew disciples weren't sent out on their own until he deemed that they were ready. They had learned from him. And they'd come to see and accept his vision. That's the task that's ahead for each of us. God asked Isaiah, whom shall I send and who shall go for me? You and I are being asked that same question this morning. Isaiah's reply was, here am I, send me. And that's the response that God wants to hear from each of us. That's not disappointing. Let us stand and join together.